When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. El Salvador is the first country to fully embrace Bitcoin, making the cryptocurrency its official legal tender. What does that mean? I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. Joining us to break this all down is CNET Advice Editor Ray Hodge. Welcome, Ray. Hey, thanks for having me, Roger. So El Salvador has made Bitcoin its official currency. How, how does that work? So uh, basically, there will now be uh, the option to do any official transactions or in terms of banking and state-supported activities. You'll now be able to use a cryptocurrency, uh, specifically Bitcoin, with a national ID allowing you to get a, an e-wallet for it, essentially. Mm-hmm. And yet, from a practical level, it's, I don't know if you could break down how this works. It's, you know, Bitcoin isn't physical currency you can carry around, so... Do folks need to basically just have access to this e-wallet at all times, or, or how, how is this going to work? Uh, it's going to be something of a learning curve, but what you'll be able to do is sign up through their national service using your ID to ver- your national ID to verify your identity. You'll be issued a cryptocurrency wallet, cryptocurrency wallet that you'll be able to access with any digital device, and uh, from there you'll be able to um, spend your cryptocurrency or spend your Bitcoin as it stands. Um, there's not a lot of traditional banking access, so this is hopefully, um, in the minds of many there uh, who are backing the initiative, hopefully uh, going to expand uh, banking access to many of the country's residents who wouldn't have traditional banks. Got it. But th- this would mean that in order, to be, in order to actually pay for anything or access your funds, you do need a digital device. Right? Like what, what happens if you don't have one, like if you don't have a phone? Right. So there will be, obviously, I mean, you you have to be able to access this in some way. Um, phone use, uh, you know, I'm assuming is going to continue to spread as there's there's a greater push for this among government entities. Um, mm-hmm. But the first things you're going to start seeing really are a wider option for this, right? So you're going to start seeing um, prices to be displayed in Bitcoin, tax contributions, uh, yep. and exchanges in, uh, in that, especially in uh, capital gains tax, uh, where it will be, you know, um, a, a currency that will be taxable. Oh, I'm sorry. Bitcoin will not be taxable in terms of capital gains tax. Okay. So why is El Salvador doing this? Well, there's um, several reasons that you would want to uh, open up the possibility of payment in Bitcoin. And frankly, they wouldn't be the first uh, to, to sort of move towards Bitcoin, although they are the first country to allow it to be full legal tender nationwide. Other municipalities mm-hmm. are finding that there are advantages there as well. In El Salvador's case, uh, a large percent of their GDP comes from remittances where people who have left the country are sending money home. And and those remittances are in currencies uh, like the U.S. dollar. So this mm-hmm. can be a convenient way to get a wider availability uh, for that GDP, that percentage of GDP. And it can also be helpful as another option for people who don't really have traditional access to normal banks. Uh, according to some figures, that's as much as 70 percent of the country's population that are unbanked at this point. 
Right. I think the idea here is that this would improve the uh, accessibility of folks who don't necessarily have access to traditional financial services. Uh, going back to that remittances point, which is a really good one, because I know a, a large chunk of the GDP is relying on that. How is that going to work for folks over abroad? Are they are they going to have to like essentially buy Bitcoin and, and transfer it over, or can they still do what they're doing now and transfer funds, uh, their U.S. dollars into the country, and it gets uh, you know converted? Or h- how is that going to work? Well, there's actually another fund that was recently set up as well. Um, the news of uh, the news of El Salvador, um, their investment of $21 million uh, mm-hmm. worth of Bitcoin right now, their purchase of that, comes actually a week after the country approved a law that would allow for a $150 million uh, sort of tra- currency transfer exchange. So there is a, a, a national impetus to get this currency transfer uh, operation rolling smoothly. Now, granted, this is the first real rollout of a law that passed in June. So there are going to be some bugs to work out, um, just like you would have with anywhere else. Right. And uh, going back to that digital wall, this is Shivo, I believe is the name of it. Um, is, that, is the idea that it's going to be universally available across digital devices? Because I was reading in a Wall Street Journal report today that the that Google, both Google and Apple's app stores still don't carry that e-service or e-wallet app. Um, so there's some questions about just how accessible that is. Right. And from what I understand, uh, while Huawei does offer it in their services and on their device, uh, currently mm-hmm. those two app stores not having major access to it is yet another hurdle that's going to really be standing in the way of the government's push to uh, incentivize widespread adoption. Currently, there's an incentive uh, that if you do sign up with Shivo, uh, you'll automatically get $30 worth of um, Bitcoin mm-hmm. in there. However, it's really a matter of what devices you have and what app um, app selection you have that are that's going to be available. What we're really going to be looking for is how the government introduces that app widely, right? So outside of Google Play Store and outside of Apple's App Store, there's still plenty of possibility for um, apps to be loaded directly from websites, as we've seen in many cases for apps that we use on a day-to-day basis here in the States and elsewhere. So there are still some other options in terms of getting that wallet into the hands of people on their devices, uh, but in terms of their app store availability, obviously not having the two major players in the app world on board just yet is really going to be an obstacle. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the other flip side, and I think this is what most skeptics are saying about this move, you know, Bitcoin, like other cryptocurrencies, is highly volatile. Uh, there are a lot of experts who say this isn't great as currency. This is more of an investment vehicle. I feel like that's I've been told that line over and over again. What do what what else do skeptics and groups like the International Monetary Fund say about the risk that come when tying yourself to something like Bitcoin? You know, you've got a couple of major pushback efforts from uh, people like the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank, and you've got some leading voices in the media like Wall Street Journal who are um, really pushing back against this idea of using cryptocurrency on the grounds that it's not uh, as quickly able to be tracked, right? We've got these Mm -hmm. major uh, initiatives out of Europe that have attempted to track 
Bitcoin for um, better regulation purposes. So there is some concern there that the volatility of the currency in an economically already volatile area uh, could potentially um, derail uh, economic status or, or cause some credit down rankings with major institutions on top of a secondary concern about you know the potential for cryptocurrency at, um, via to create vehicles for potentially corrupt um, and, and la- money laundering uh, scenarios right so there are these two competing yeah. concerns here um, there those concerns are certainly worth noting for any country right um, but with El Salvador in particular the IMF and the World Bank have been going back and forth with El Salvador who has requested 1.3 uh, billion in financial assistance and currently the IMF is is sort of dangling that carrot and holding it back as its position on the Bitcoin adoption uh, becomes more and more uh, clear to El Salvador it has consistently pushed back against that uh, and and urged them not to even uh, as the the threat and shadow of a potential tribe begin to loom larger and larger. Hasn't really stopped El Salvador in terms of its rollout, obviously. But then, you know, the IMF and the World Bank's policies do not ever guarantee a country um, any sort of economic stability. Certainly not if you, you know, ask Greece. Right, right. And uh, obviously, yeah, it's not stopped El Salvador. They're, they're full steam ahead with this with this initiative. Uh, just sort of taking a step back, this, this is the first country to adopt Bitcoin as a national currency, as I said before, that that seems like a pretty big, you know, occasion or or event for for Bitcoin or for cryptocurrencies in general. Right? I'm just curious, like, what your thoughts are on the sort of the magnitude of this. Uh, I mean, we did see a big we see we saw a big uh, spike after that uh, after the announcement on Monday of the acquisition of uh, 21 million dollars worth of Bitcoin. We did see a spike, mm-hmm. so Bitcoin did come back up. But it's like you're pointing out, there's a volatility to this, and it, it really begs the question of whether or not it's going to be a stable and reliable option. I mean, the truth is, you're going to have many options for currency uh, for most of these countries, and crypto is going to have to be amidst that in some way. It's certainly, while El Salvador is the first to go nationwide with its adoption, you've got plenty of other uh, municipalities and cities that have already begun either pilot programs to test it out or have, you know, uh, completely begin accepting cryptocurrency. El Salvador might be the widest, but you've also got um, uh, small places uh, in Switzerland. You've even got the city of Miami here in the States uh, who's been considering, you know, whether or not to allow Bitcoin to be paid to workers for tax experiments. You've also got places um, like just on the little north of Toronto in Canada where mm-hmm. you've got a Canadian municipality that began accepting Bitcoin as a method of payment for property taxes in 2019, according to Reuters. So these are other places. I mean, the Bahamas, China, Kenya. We're also talking about different places all over the world that are testing the waters here, trying to see if, if, if Bitcoin is going to be workable in terms of how they can integrate it into their economies. Yeah, well, we'll see. There's obviously, like you said, there are a lot of places experimenting with it. I don't think any other country yet, though, beyond El Salvador, is going all in. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see how this experiment pans out and whether it does expand access to financial services as what the proponents are hoping for. Ray, thank you for your time. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to cnet.co slash dailycharge. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.